Okay, I am here. I'm live. I had a, a meeting that I remembered about one minute <laughs> before I was about to start doing this video. And then I saw it went for an hour and I was like, oh, I don't really feel like an hour. Meeting on a Friday afternoon is what I feel like on a Friday afternoon is a beer. Mm. And anyway, it went for about five minutes, which was perfect. It's one of those little wonderful gifts that gets given back to you. So I was actually kind of happy with that outcome. All right, so a few little things, and then we will get into a bit. I put out a tweet about AMA. I would love to hear anything you want to ask me. I mean, I don't have a whole lot to talk about today. Uh, and plus, every now and then I get some real oddball questions, which I think is kind of funny. So first things first, sponsors. I do have a brand new sponsor this week, and I hope I pronounce the name right, Axonius. Exonius gives IT and security teams the confidence they need to focus on the bigger picture, learn more and try it for free. Now, there is a link there to go to a URL that does give you a free demo, uncover security coverage gaps and enforce security policies. And I think it's fair to say that there are rather a lot of security coverage gaps. If we look at some of the news just this week, let alone this, this year. In fact, the meeting I had before was about a, a talk I'm going to be doing later on in the year. And we sort of went, oh, this is, that's a fair way out. But if we look at how much stuff has already happened this year, and then we sort of fold that forward and forecast similar things into the future, there's going to be a heap of new things to talk about. So give Axonius a go. Get a complete asset inventory within hours. There are security gaps, uh, probably lots of gaps that many people don't know about. Maybe some of you don't know about. All right, so I'm going to do some AMA stuff. I do have a list of other topics here, and what I thought I'd do is I'd start answering some of the questions that have already come through. Uh, please drop whatever you want into the comments there. It doesn't have to be tech-related. Uh, inevitably, there's going to be infosec stuff, security stuff. But if you have anything non-related, Australia, COVID, sharks, Gold Coast, whatever, <laughs> chuck it in there, make it fun. Burton asked a question here, number one. How simple was the integration of the weather station with Home Assistant? Uh, it was actually, for, for the most part, pretty simple. And I say for the most part because what I would have really liked, so I got a Davis Vantage 2 Pro, I think is the complete name. Uh, I got that, which is a, a, a maybe like a semi-pro kind of weather station. It looks pretty serious. I would have loved to have had a Home Assistant integration for it because I would have loved to have had an integration that just automatically had uh, an inevitably an entity for the station and then, no, a device for the station, and then entities for all of the different things, the temperature, the humidity, the wind, all this kind of stuff. Now, you can sort of hack your way around that by using the WeatherLink service. So there is, a, there is an external box which the station connects down to, and then that box can broadcast out onto the cloud and it can broadcast the status and then you pull up the WeatherLink app on your phone. So think about normal people here that don't have full IoT automation stuff. Uh, so that's going to, um, that can get pushed up to the cloud. You can also then sync that to Weather Underground and then Weather Underground has an integration in Home Assistant. Now the problem is it was something screwy like WeatherLink, which is what Davis is using, you can only push data once every 15 minutes unless you start paying money and then you can push once every five minutes unless you pay even more money and then you can push that once every one minute which just sounded like a bit of a shit model if, if i'm completely honest so fortunately the the unit itself the well 
the thing down the bottom that does the Wi-Fi back to my network and uses whatever RF to get to the weather station on the roof. It does have an API endpoint. So the way I've done the integration is Home Assistant is just consuming the API endpoint. It's polling it very frequently. I can't remember the exact rate, but it's at least once a minute. And then it's pulling back you know, wind speed and direction and all that kind of stuff. And then I've got some interfaces in HA with that. It's nowhere near as slick as it should be, but I have all the data. So I actually want to invest some time doing my dashboards. I want to get an iPad and I want to get it mounted onto a wall somewhere so it constantly displays everything. But I would have liked to have had a full first class Home Assistant integration where someone else has already done the work. That would have been really nice. Okay, so there's that. But another question, you're approaching five years of continuous weekly updates and wondered what you have learned from doing these. Do you look back at past videos? I rarely look back at past videos, but what, what I think I've learned from it, if I look back to why I did them, oh boy, <laughs> let's, let's go down that rabbit hole. Here's a guy, I know, um, and look, I'll explain it because it's an AMA. There's a guy, you can do your own Googly on him. A guy called John Sonmez, uh, and he's someone that, that I knew from Pluralsight. Uh, so he was a, a very prolific Pluralsight author, and he had put a lot of work into his branding and image and promotion. Now, things went very off the rails with John a couple of years ago. If you do a search for his name, yeah, you'll find it. Um, that happened well after I started the, the videos, but he, he had had a chat with me one day and he's like, you should do these videos. Man, I'm doing so many videos and they get there's so much engagement and you reach a different audience. And I went, ah, I'll give it a go. And to, to be honest, the thing about it is it gave me a much more regular cadence of content because blogging has always just been when I feel like writing something, I'll put it out there. Um, things like the, the governments coming on board have a been pwned of being a good case where there's been short posts and there's been lots of them, so there's been lots of content. But the bigger pieces I've written, the things that have really sort of stood the test of time, have taken a lot of time and effort, and they're a very irregular cadence. And some things take a very, very long time uh, to, to come to completion, like more than a year, some of these posts. I'm writing one at the moment, which is it's going to be well and truly in the soft skills space, but it could be a year before I publish that. So it gave me regular content. And then as I was having a really rough time, particularly 2019, and then last year, and as many of you know, it was everything from the have I been pwned M&A to divorce and then your relationship and things like this. It was a busy period. The weekly updates gave me a, a consistency and something that it was almost like a bit of a stake in the ground. It's like, I'm going to continue doing this thing and it's going to be the one thing that is constant throughout the rest of the turmoil of life. So I think it's been very good for that. And if I'm honest, there are very often are times where I don't feel like doing it. Before this one tonight, I was like, I could be laying on the couch <laughs> watching TV. And I don't only lay on the couch and watch TV either, but I just had a hell of a week. So having said that, every time I start them, it's, it's a little bit like exercising, where very often you don't want to do it in advance, and then you sit down and you start it and you get into a rhythm and you're happy you did it. So long answer, but I hope that answers your question. William says... Um, He's finally got his hands on Shelly. Nice, but I think I prefer Sonoff with Tasmoda. Have you modified the firmware on the Shellys? I haven't modified the firmware on the Shellys because so far there's nothing I haven't been able to do with the native firmware. Uh, in fact, to, to jump ahead a little bit, one of the things I did have on my list was I put in two Shelly dimmers this week. So I've mostly had the Shelly 1s 
and I've got a heap of those. And then the Shelly, is it the Shelly 2 that has the two relays? Where basically, if you've got two different switches, having a Shelly 2 means you can just have one device behind it rather than two separate ones. And I've got the Shelly dimmers, which I'm now trying to find the best, I guess, UX, for want of a better term, of how to use them. And what I mean by the UX of it is how do I make sure that a physical kinetic button still provides a first-class user experience whilst also being able to be controlled digitally? So I know Charlotte's looked at me sometimes and she's looked at the amount of tech going into the house and she's like, I'm still going to be able to turn on the lights, right? <laughs> and at the moment, because as some of you know, I've been fixing a gazillion different leaks in the house, which has resulted in the entire destruction of my bathroom. And, and when I say destruction, it's like imagine that there are just no more walls there. Uh, and the tiles that are on the wall, they're not there. And the sinks and the vanities and the bath and the toilet, like, everything's gone because leaks. Uh, and as we're putting it all back together, we're going, all right, well, now I've got plaster off the wall. We're getting new lights, new switches and things. I can do it however I want. And I want to make sure that every light is dimmable. Every light can turn on and off, obviously. And I also want to make sure I can do both those things digitally and still have a first-class user experience. So I think uh, what I need to do, I've got the two Shelly dimmers in place downstairs. One does traditional lights on the roof, which you can dim with voltage drop. And one controls a Philips Hue, uh, which is a big light around a mirror. And that one, you really need to change the dimming level in the driver of the Philips Hue itself. You can't just drop voltage to the Philips Hue, otherwise you have different problems. So I'm just waiting on the Sparky to come around with a couple of momentary switches. So it looks like the gap in my model at the moment is I've got on-off switches, but I don't have momentary switches. And the momentary switches should allow you to go like click, light comes on, click, light comes off. When it's on, click and hold, light goes up, <laughs> click and hold, light goes down, which I think is going to be the best possible situation because I just want to make sure I have like one button that does both power and dimming on each light. Otherwise, I'm going to end up with a gazillion buttons. So stay tuned to that one, William. But at the moment, it does everything I need. I don't see the need to flash those. Shiny Doc, how is the relationship with Nord going? Anything to say? Uh, look, it's good. I mean, that's, it's, it's interesting. So there's a bunch of times where people tweet stuff at me, and then I relay that to Nord. Uh, they're, they're usually tweeting the things that they don't like because this is what people use Twitter for. Uh, there's not very often people pop up for most things, actually, and go, hey, nothing wrong. I just wanted to tell you everything is fine. <laughs> it's like you don't get a lot of that. But we've also been doing a few other bits and pieces together. Some of the material I've been creating, I've been having some input on. I've always taken the position with Nord that I think the product is very good. And if you don't believe me, try using it. But it's, it's a good product to use. But the messaging, I think, was just just not, not on key enough about what a VPN does, what it doesn't do, good bits, the things that are catered for in other ways. Uh, so look, that's been going really well. I've been doing a bunch of um, a bunch of press stuff with them as well, talking to journalists, uh, doing various interviews and things like that. And it's not been a Nord pitch. It's just that obviously they want to make connections and get infosec, I, I guess, more prominent and more on the news. So uh, honestly, my interactions with Nord, I have uh, nothing but positive things to say. And I, in fact, I'll tell you one other positive thing. And this is one of the measures that I apply to the companies I work with. It is a commercial relationship, so they pay me. And there's a bunch of different companies I do different things with. I put a lot of emphasis on how quickly they pay their bills. <laughs> so I have software 
that and I use a commercial product, but software just automatically sends invoices and you can see for every single customer how long it takes to pay bills. And normally I just automatically put 28 days on everything because it just seemed like a reasonable number. And consistently the, the largest companies you can think of are absolute rubbish at paying invoices, not just on time, but even within like two months, like it's crazy. But consistently Nord and Agile Bits that own one password is the other one does a great job of this. It's like three days later, money is there. And it's not that, that I'm infatuated on the money side of thing. I just think it says a lot for an organization where they're like, this person's working with us and we want to keep a really good relationship. We're going to do stuff like pay bills on time. Which is why also for me, every single time I get a bill, particularly from like tradespeople like the Sparky, I get the email come in and I'll go, okay, I'm going to pay that today. You know, not at 14 days when it's due or something, but today. So anyway, make of that what you will. But to me, that's just one of those things which is like, it shows character. Papa, Papa Nyet, have you... Uh, you ever looked at going to more community-focused AustraiaCon in your state than AusCert? Uh, I mean, I've done DDD a few times, which is a very community-focused con. I know there's things like CrikeyCon as well. Of course, everything has been a little bit weird, doing anything in person recently. Uh, I do have some plans, not necessarily in my state, uh, probably around the August timeframe, uh, August and into September timeframe. But um, it's it, it has just been super weird, hasn't it, last... 18 months but uh there's not a lot that happens in this state there are things in brisbane i've done a few uh i think we've done like azure cloud summit days or i forget what they call it now in brisbane but even going to brisbane it's like okay gotta go and drive depending on the day an hour to an hour and a half go up there there's really nothing that happens locally here on the gold coast not in this industry so no there uh there hasn't been a lot but i do do some things Charles Smith, favorite brand of color light bulb. Ah, right. So actually, I'm trying some new ones. This is in my rubbish bin. Color light bulb. So of course, when we say color light bulbs, most of the time now we're talking LEDs and, and there's no LED or there's no bulb, there's diodes. So the ones that you can just see on the roof up here, I can't even quite remember. <laughs> most of them I just get really cheap from Bunnings. So for people from other places... Bunnings is like a massive hardware chain and you can buy these for around about 30 Australian dollars if you want to put that in a familiar currency for people it's, it's the low 20s USD and um, and they for the most part work well they pair with Tuya I control them through Tuya I've got another long tweet thread and I ranted about this last week about all the problems I've had trying to get any sort of local control but that's been pretty good these ones I've just started playing with and, and the reason i'm playing with these ones in case you can just see the logo on the front they're zigbee so because they're zigbee they're all local control anyway and because they're mains powered zigbee they all form part of a mesh network which basically like extends your coverage to all sorts of different places early signs on these are that they're very positive in fact i bought two <laughs> so these are the two packs that are now in the rubbish bin now, the joy of Zigbee is because it's all local control, you're not dependent on a cloud service at all. And then, it's not the best beer I've had, but it's still beer. Uh, and then, because it's all local, you don't get any network latency in terms of like communicating to the cloud and then it communicates back to the light. So it's pretty instantaneous. 
I'm also building out more Philips Lily XLs, which I, th I think I spoke about those some time ago, which are outdoor lights. They're quite large. They shine up on the palm trees. I can just see one outside my window that I've actually got green shining on the palm trees, and it looks pretty cool at the moment. So I'm playing more with them, and of course they're Zigbee too, so they all do the Zigbee mesh thing. So if I had to give a sort of a succinct answer at the moment, I would say the best thing that uh, I'm doing at the moment with lights is going Zigbee and I kind of I kind of wish the 22 or so I put out the house the other day was Zigbee and not not IP but they still turn on they still turn off they just don't all happen at the same time so it's not too bad in the scheme of things Lucas says have you ever thought about sharing some of the custom things you wrote for HA automation scenes etc look I, I could but if I'm honest there's nothing that clever <laughs> like all my all my scenes and automations and things are more like I need to remember how to do something. So just before I did this uh, did this live stream, I decided that uh, I've got a, a server rack downstairs. It's got four massive fans in the top of it. And I already had a little temperature sensor inside the rack. And I had been running the fans, but it's winter here at the moment. So it's down, oh geez, it's down to 17 degrees at the moment, Celsius. Uh, so it's pretty cold. And the server rack and everything has been kind of fine. And I'm like, why am I running the fan? And then I thought, I could automate this shit. Like, I could actually make the fan come on when it's warm enough. So I don't think that these settings are really where they should be. But just for uh, for some, geez, just for some context, I've got the fan coming on when it gets to 31C in the, in the server rack. If it's 31C for 10 minutes, the fan will come on. Now, I'm going to change these numbers later on. This is really just trial and error at the moment, making sure I've got the automation right. And then when it gets below 30 for 10 minutes, the fan goes off. So I can see that it ran before for about 26 minutes, and then the temp got low enough and it's killed the fan. Now I can see the temp coming back up again. So what I can do next is I can say, okay, well, what temperature thresholds do I want? And how long does it have to be at that temp? And in reality, I would argue that in a server rack, a temperature of 31 degrees, I think is absolutely fine. <laughs> and probably this time of year in particular, I don't think I need to run the fan at all. And then I'll just set the threshold somewhere. Anyway, there's a long way of explaining that I could not remember for the life of me how to turn a switch on or off. And I literally just went and searched through my other automations, which I had figured out by searching through Google. So I don't think there's anything super smart that I could actually share there. Next question. Plaster, that's the fun. Oh man, the amount of, the amount of plaster in this place lately. The amount of dust in this place lately. Chris says, good call on the momentary buttons. That's what I did via Clipsal Satin Light. So I'm using Clipsal Satin Zens. So they're the really sort of flat uh, uh, matte white and black ones, depending on which wall they're going. With Z-Wave dimmers behind. Can control via Home Assistant, automation, etc. that lights still work manually. So I, I will have to actually go and do a little bit of Googling uh, and make sure I figure out how to... I'm not sure if I have to sort of... And, and I'm using MTQQ on all the Shelleys now, so stuff's really super fast and parallel. But I'm not sure if I need to capture events for like dim up and dim down and then send them, say, to the Philips Hue, which is just paired as a Zigbee device. So it doesn't even know it's a Hue, but... Yeah, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work yet. I've got to, I've got to sort of get to that. Um, 
No brain says, is it true your website, I have been pwned working with FBI? Yes, if you Google, have I been pwned FBI, you will find two blog posts on that. Papaniet, what is the brewski? So I untapped this just before I started this, just so I could uh, tell you. It is the Haze of Reven Black Nipper. It is an IPA Black Cascadian Dark Ale. And it's just, I don't know, just like, yeah, it's, it's not terrible. It just feels a bit flat. Mm. not terrible Matt says Zigby for the win absolutely William it's a form of mesh network use of I'm not sure I understand thanks Siri that's great that's really useful uh, it's a use of mesh net systems use of uh, Signy lights with, with uh, wave devices uh, oh, okay William's got Z-Wave as well Z-Wave Zigby I don't have any Z-Wave at the moment I, I haven't actually yet found just through organically searching for the devices I want, devices like these little motion sensors, I haven't yet found anything that is just Z-Wave. So all the things I've found seem to have been Zigbee. So anecdotally, Zigbee seems to be much more popular, prevalent. Burton, the 3D printer is awesome. Where do you buy filament? A few different places. So there's, uh, I have bought a bunch of it from Prusa in the Czech Republic directly. And then there's a website in Australia, I'm trying to remember the name of it, um, by Prusament Filament. So they sell Prusament, which is Prusa's uh, filament. It's a website in Australia called phaserfpv.com.au. They actually seem to do a bunch of drone stuff and filament. So yeah, <laughs> go figure. But Prusament is expensive from them. So it's 60 Aussie dollars from uh, Phaser FPV. And there are certainly many different filaments out there that are a lot cheaper. And the, look, the Prusament seems to have been very solid. People say it's very predictable, very high quality. Some of the other ones I've had, which have been quite a bit cheaper, seem to have been pretty good too. So I don't know, maybe I'm just lucky on that. Matt says you could connect Zigbee modules uh, to you, the cloud, if you want but why would you? Defeats the purpose of using Zigbee. That's, that's probably pretty true. Like, why would you want to control your Zigbee from the cloud? And in reality, if I want to control stuff, let's stop saying from the cloud. If I want to be outside of my home network and control stuff, I can still do that with Home Assistant because I can access that remotely via Nobukasa and then control things internally, which might then be on Zigbee. Uh, Burton, how's things with the family? <laughs> Good, busy. Kids started school holidays, so... They, they spend half their time with their mum and then half their time with Charlotte and I. So we get, we get sort of half our time where we absolutely throw ourselves into work because everything's quiet. And then we get half our time where we try and prioritise them. And then when they're at school, we do that. So when the holidays come, they spend half the time there and then half the time here. So we've got school holidays, first day of school holidays today. We've got to the end of the month with uh, Peace and Quiet, which is, which is why we're going away on a little short domestic trip <laughs> next week i'll post some photos of that uh, and then we'll get into into july and then we'll just max out the things so that when the kids come here they say it's it's like a it's like a boot camp <laughs> because we're always always outdoors and active we're always doing something or other so no they're uh, the kids in charlotte are very good let's uh, let's put it that way Matt, mesh designer zigby got me interested some years ago using a few robots oh that's pretty cool Stuart says, how's the book coming along? So it is progressing slower than I would have liked. And the main reason for that is, uh, frankly, I got through all the mechanical bits of just writing content for each blog post. And then I had to write 
uh, an intro and I have to write like an outro to the entire thing as well. And that has required a great deal more thought. And and it, it's, it's a combination of things. It's like what content goes in there. Like I was writing some of it and it's like, this is not meant to be an autobiography of my life. It's meant to set context as to why this book makes sense. But some of it's like, when, how did I get into tech? And then what led me to do the things that I did? And that's kind of relevant. But how do I make it consistent with the other content in the book and not just like, you know, the, the life of Troy kind of thing? So there's that. It's also, um, it's also trying to find the right tone about how I talk about some of the more personal things that are in there. And I think some of you got some idea of that, but, uh, but it'll be in the book, by the book. <laughs> but in all seriousness, like trying to find the right tone because once you put something in writing and it goes into a book, it's like it's there forever. Uh, and I don't want there to be any, any content or any tone, which I regret later on. What I'm planning on doing at the moment, so we're, like I said, we're going to go away next week and we're having a few days in a, a bit of a getaway and it's up in the mountains in Queensland. Actually gets down to freezing there, believe it or not. Yeah, who'd have thought that? Freezing in Queensland. Uh, and I'm going to try and carve out the better part of a day where I can sit there and do some work on that. And it's not that like I want to go away and do work, but it's just getting away to a peaceful, quiet location where I can probably sit in front of an open fireplace with wine <laughs> and write some content. That actually seems... I enjoy writing. Don't get me wrong. So I'll try and get more of it done then. I want to try and get like, I don't know, like one one chapter or module or whatever you want to call it out in like beta and just sort of see how it resonates. And there's a few other things that Rob and I have been planning as well in terms of periphery content around it. So hopefully that'll happen soon. Luke says, any first-hand experiences using Google Home? Nope. <laughs> and Arlick, rather than she who must not be named, I assume that's the she on my watch, considering selling Arlick and Home for light switches, but worried home integration would be clunky. So, Luke, have a look at the five-part series I wrote on uh, IoT. If you just Google my name and IoT, you'll find it. And honestly, like, every time you look at Google Home, or when you said she, it could have been the she on here or the she on my Amazon things as well. Either of those she's. The big platforms that are proprietary and they you then get the little sticker on the box, works with one of these platforms. The barrier, you just hit the barriers so quickly. Like my original thinking was because I've got Apple iPhones, iPads, watches, etc. that would be the logical platform and I'll just integrate everything with HomeKit. But there's so little you can do with it, particularly when you want different devices to work across each other. So if I was in your position, Luke, as I was a year and, year and, a, year and a half ago, uh, I would buy a Raspberry Pi, <laughs> put Home Assistant on it, and I'd have a go at that because that's, if you're geeky like many of us here, it's, it's a bit of fun. And I'd just start with something really small and then see it goes. Papinette, what's the cyber curriculum like in universities in Australia? Have you engaged with students, student-led cyber organizations, any capacity to impart your wisdom onto them? Um, I honestly don't know what it's like. I, I dropped out of uni. Um a long time ago, <laughs> I, got, I got about 80% of the degree done then just, just dropped out. That's in the book as well. Uh, I don't know what it's like today, but what I hear from people is that it, it leaves a bit to be desired, put it that way. So I suspect that uh, cybersecurity in general doesn't play a large part there in the same way as I know that technology uh, and coding and robotics and things like that don't play a very large part in schools at the moment. So... 
I wish there was more cyber. I wish there was more tech in general. My experiences, which of course were now second half of the 90s, uh, was I couldn't even do any web development at school. And I know that was a long way away. When I say school, that was university. That was a long time ago. But I, I have just always been of the view that uh, formal academia lags a long way behind industry when it comes to these topics. That's, that's my experience anyway. Lee says, would you prefer Shelley to be Zigbee over Wi-Fi if it was an option? That's, that's a good question. Um, to be, uh, I think the, the question has to be, what do you gain from it? If, if the Shelly didn't have an IP address and instead it just formed part of the Wi-Fi network, part of the, the Zigbee network, excuse me, uh, what would be different to now? I'd reserve some more IP addresses, but I can have as many internal IP addresses as I want within reason anyway, so I don't think that's the problem. I'm not sure it would be any faster because now that I'm using MTQQ as well, it's literally like tap the button and as instantaneously as tapping a light switch, the light will will go off. So there's that. Um, Plus, I can also pop it open in a browser because it does have an IP address and it runs a little web server. I can always pop it open in a browser and I've done a bunch of coding to to go through and consume APIs and then report back on the status for my shell, which was largely part of me trying to troubleshoot the problems with my network which I think we'll save for another time. So I, I just don't know that I'd gain anything from them being Zigbee, to be completely honest. And, and if we look at like, what is it about Zigbee that's really good? So for things like these devices, Zigbee is fantastic because Zigbee is low power consumption and it's low bandwidth. So theoretically, the battery in this sucker, and for those listening to the audio later on, I'm holding a, an Akira motion sensor. Theoretically, I should get two years before I need to replace the battery in that. Now, I don't care about that for a device powered into mains. Obviously, you're not going to have battery issues. The things like the Zigbee lights, such as these guys just here, the main value proposition of these over the over the two-year ones is not having cloud. But of course, if it's MTQQ and it's local, then you don't have cloud anyway. So yeah, I don't know that I'd really get any benefit from that. Joel, using one of the alternate wake words for Amazon, she was essentially my daughter's name is too close to the default one. <laughs> it's quite funny, actually. Matt says, Troy with his scrolling marquee on his website. Everybody did that in the 90s. Everybody did scrolling marquee and everyone did blink as well. Uh, and if you didn't, you're missing out. All right, let me talk about a few other things. I've got other things on my list, but feel free to keep dropping the questions into the chat and we'll keep this AMA thing going. Uh, I bought something which which actually got a lot of engagement on Twitter from people saying, this is awesome, I have one, you should buy one too. And I'm going to show you on the screen here. It is an iFixit kit. Now, if I fold this sucker open and show you what's inside of it without spilling all the bits anywhere. Ah, I just realized that whole thing pops off. Oh, that's cool. So this is basically just a whole bunch of... um, tools to fix your computer things and if i hold it up to screen look at that so there's a whole bunch of different everything from like hex screws to some of those star pattern jobs to normal screwdrivers and everything is just really really nicely nicely made these little drivers rotate just beautifully uh i don't know what a lot of these do some of these little things like this one's obviously got a magnet on the end to like retrieve your screws there's a little extension so how many times you tried to undo a screw and you can't just get the screwdriver directly into it so you get this like flexi extension 
and you can drop that flexi extension onto the driver here and then put your screw on the end and then it's got a little grip where you can hold it and still rotate and it can still rotate and so that's neat uh, some of you are probably looking at this going yeah i've had these for years why are you so slow <laughs> but i've had various little kits with different uh different bits for fixing things but just nothing has been as nice as this and it's really clever stuff too like even just this little lid with the little boxes inside here the screws sit in these little boxes so they don't roll around the bit that i just realized is that all these drivers sitting on here that's a magnetic back so you can use this magnetic back to drop your screws on so they don't go anywhere so it's just really nicely made and when i shared a, a tweet of that lots of stuff like little prying tools and things to get uh get sealed devices open uh, lots of lots of people sort of chimed in and went, yeah, you know, like I've had this for ages. It's so cool. The reason I finally got this, it had, it had been, you know how we've all got those tabs and there's like 50 tabs that are open with things that you're going to come back to one day. Uh, and this was in one of those tabs. And I finally pulled the, the trigger on it. And, and this was like less than $100 Australian too. So they're, they're, you know, pretty well priced for what they are. I finally pulled the trigger on it because my son had um, dropped his Lenovo yoga laptop uh, I know he dropped it because a big dent in the side of it in fairness all the kids at his school so he's in year six now all the kids at his school had to have laptops beginning year five so he's made it through a year and a half as a 10 11 year old without destroying a laptop which I think is given the way kids are not too bad but the cover has sort of popped apart and one of the screws is missing and I really just need to pull the cover off figure out why it's popped apart hopefully pop something back into place find another screw uh, and i just don't have enough bits that actually fit the sorts of uh, screws he has so i was like all right that's a good excuse to finally close that tab hmm so to the uh, questions on here everyone loves it i fix it um nice uh, solve business services says i nearly bought one of those quality okay yeah beautiful quality beautiful <laughs> solve business services is sorry it's actually dave <laughs> so that's uh that's actually really neat no they're really really good i think the quality of it is beautiful um ben davies says i'm yet to find something that this kit can't handle i suspect this kit is going to handle much more than i can handle <laughs> put it that way all right so uh other things on my list already chose we've spoken about the shelleys and the and the zigbee things Last week, I forgot to mention something. Actually, this comes back to the discussion about Nord. Last week, I didn't mention the nameless malware discovered by NordLocker, which is now in Have I Been Pwned. So NordLocker shares the same parent company as NordVPN. So they're obviously part of the Nord brand, given the, uh, given the branding. Um, now, let me tell you a little bit about what happened here, because there's a bunch of data that's, uh, that now in Have I Been Pwned. And, and just to be clear, like NordLocker is like a cloud-based service for encrypting your files and, and storing your things securely. Uh, I, I don't know a lot more about the product other than that, uh, despite the relationship with Nord. Now, they, in the process of their investigations, came across rather a large amount of malware. Uh, they said here, between 2018 and 2020, a custom Trojan-type malware infiltrated over 3 million Windows computers and stole 1.2 terabytes of personal information. 
Now, they reached out in the same way as the Estonian Central Police did several years ago and the FBI did uh, only a few months ago with the Emotet malware, uh, or not the malware itself, but data that the malware had gained access to. And they said, look, could, could we possibly put this in Have I Been Pwned? Because all three of these organisations have sort of said, if you can put it in Have I Been Pwned, then people can come and they can search their email address and they can see if they're in there. Now, that won't tell them if they're still infected, which device got infected, how they got infected, which information was collected, but at least it will tell them that at the very least their email address was in there. And then they should go and do all the usual things that we tell people to do to not get malware. Uh, keep your service packs and patches up to date. Uh, have your antivirus, even if I've run Windows Defender, it's fine. You don't really have to go and spend money on this stuff. Um, change your usernames and password, password <laughs> if you're using the same one everywhere. That sort of stuff. So that went into Have I Been Pwned? And I think that's, like, I've got to be a bit careful because I don't want to have too much nameless, unattributable stuff in there. But this was just another sort of good case like the two previous cases where it made sense due to the volume of data that was in there as well. Once you're getting into, like, millions of records, that is quite a lot of information. All right, other things here. Joel says, my son did similar with daughter's laptop. Cyan acrylite glue with the spray accelerant was handy to have to fix the snapped off mounts. Oh boy. Uh, Matt says, when some of your certificates still cover XP in Server 2008, I'm not surprised schools are behind time. Now, when you said some of my your certificates, I thought you were talking about me and I was going to show how old some of my books are in here, but it sounds to me like you're talking about current content that still covers Windows XP in Server 2008. Hmm. Yeah, about that. Next thing is the last thing on my list. So if you've got any more AMA-style questions, chuck them in now. A government came on to Have I Been Pwned this week. The Finnish government came on to Have I Been Pwned, uh, which is great because they're the 21st national cert on to Have I Been Pwned. They're also the fifth Nordic country. Now, I've got to be careful because after... After one of them came on recently, it might have been after Sweden came on, I, I mentioned Scandinavian companies, uh, countries, uh, and Scandinavians, including the one I'm engaged to, <laughs> very quickly told me that apparently Iceland is not part of Scandinavia. It is a Nordic country, despite Wikipedia saying that in the broader sense of the, of the term Scandinavia, apparently. Anyway, that's kind of tangential to the point. Finland <laughs> now has access to query their domains via API. I have in my little, literally my little black book, my Australian Cybersecurity Center black book, a list of upcoming countries. There is another one that I'll be announcing this coming Monday and another one I'll be announcing. In fact, the one coming this Monday will be the 22nd. And, and I realize, and I'll put this in the draft blog post written for them, it's the 22nd country and it's the 11th since March. So I've been doing this for three years, four years now, and half of those countries have just come on board in the last four months. So isn't it interesting? I don't know if it's a pandemic thing or what it is, but a lot of them have only just come on very, very recently. So there'll be another one coming this coming Monday, another one coming the Monday after that, and then of the list of other ones here, I'm just waiting for OKs. Uh, and then, of course, every time I put stuff out there, more countries come and say, can I come on board? A journalist asked me a question today, actually, about countries and have I been pwned. And they said, um, 
what if it was Iran? <laughs> and I was like, there, it, it wasn't Iran, but there was one country that reached out and said, um, we have seen other countries come on board. Like, we would like to have access. And I, I'm not going to say which country it was because it might be offensive to some people, but you can imagine that there are a collection of countries for which yeah, it's like questionable how cool they are with, with most of our ways of thinking today. Uh, and indeed, there are there are various countries where we we literally have um, we literally have controls against doing business with. And in fact, I found out recently that I was doing some work with a very legitimate, <laughs> very legitimate, very well known Russian country, uh, and my bank stopped accepting any money from them. They said we can't actually accept money from them. And I went, I actually went through like our um, basically our Australian DHS. Uh, oh, geez, who is it? Anyway. The government department, which is like, here's who you can and can't do business with. And they're like, well, you, you can't sell weapons to this country. And it's like, well, okay, that's, yeah, I'm not doing that. That's fine. But other than that, it's fine. But then this particular bank was like, no, you can't even provide any IT services, including the things that I do uh, to this company or to this country. We will not accept payment for them. So I went to another bank and they're like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but, but the point is, is that we do have controls on the engagement with certain countries and even though the stuff i'm doing with governments is totally free and even though they could go through and just do domain searches anyway for free if they can verify the control of the domain i just felt that if i was to write a blog post which is like welcoming the insert name here government to have i been pwned i don't think the feedback would have been very positive from most people so that was one where i was like yeah i just i'll just file that archive archive folder the ones coming up though they're all cool. No problems at all with them. All right. Other questions in here. Um, all the high-profile ransomware is scaring them probably. This is why governments might be coming on. Uh, Papa yet Rusky joined HIBP. Uh, not yet. Not yet. Uh, I, I think that would be cool. But And because I don't have to accept any payment for it, I wouldn't have problems with the bank that I'm <laughs> no longer using. Stuart says, Are you considering other Hue outdoor lights other than the lilies? Yes. So even with the lilies, there's the Lily and the Lily XL. Now I put five Lily XLs around near my pool. I think I've shared photos of that before and I must share some more. Once uh, <laughs> once all the leaks around the pool are fixed and I can put them back in because we've literally had to rip up all the tiles. And whilst doing that, the Sparkies took the Phillips Hughes away so that they weren't damaged. So when they go back, I'll take some pictures. I just put three more out the front. Uh, with very, very long leads on them, just so I could reposition them and see where I want them to be. Like, like I was sort of thinking, do they sit under the plants and shine up, or should they sit further back and then shine a broader light? The other ones that I'm kind of keen on is you can get those ones, that I don't even know what they're called, but they go on the side of the wall and they've got one light pointing up and one light pointing down. And I have multiple lights like that around here, which are rusted, broken, look like crap, and I think they would be really cool. But I haven't been able to find them for sale in Australia. They have other outdoor lights which uh, look more like little lanterns on the side. Not really my thing. Uh, other ones that are like little poles that sit in the ground. Yeah, could do something with those. But um, the Philips Hues are, are pricey. That's what they have against them. And if it was something like light strips, I'd say just don't even bother. They're too expensive and there's other good stuff out there. But the external stuff, it's just a really nice quality and I haven't been able to find anything else that's comparable. If you find something, let me know. 
<laughs> Funnily enough, Peter Verstappen says, problem with the banks, Bitcoin. This was one of the suggestions I made, actually, to this organization. I was like, y you know, we have ways of dealing with this, right? Like ways of, if it is just a control with the bank and it's not like an export control where I literally legally can't do business with you, like there are other ways of doing this. Uh, and we could do crypto, but uh, we managed to solve it with a bank that wasn't quite as stupid <laughs> as the first bank. Puppin yet, I know good comrade, he make Bitcoin clean. Okay. Hmm. All right, so if there's nothing more, I think we're just about there. Uh, next week, I will be back from my, my brief holiday. So I'm going to do this again. I'm going to do it earlier in the morning. I will have another government to announce. Ooh, I've got to publish that while I'm on holidays. That wasn't the plan. Anyway, I'll do that. It's a button. I can cure this stuff up. And if, uh, if there's nothing more, I'm going to drop here and go and enjoy my Friday evening uh, with this, this cool, cool 17 degrees C winter night. And I hope everyone else is keeping safe and doing well where you are. And I'll come back in a week. See you, folks.